What up, digital world? It's once again another spliced in later coming at you. I hope you're all well. I hope you're all doing great out there. Consistently giving you a new episode every Tuesday, regardless of whether it's possible to go out and see movies or not. Because though we can't see new movies in the theater, there's not a lot of content out there. There's plenty of content in the past that we can go back on and talk about for a substantial amount of time that is acceptable for a podcast episode. I hope you are all well. I know it's crazy days out there for a lot of people in a lot of different areas, whether it's still recovering from COVID-19 pandemic thing that's going on, stuck in our houses, trying to go outside safely, work to not kill each other, essentially. And also the tension that's going on in the world right now due to some very unjust circumstances that have been going on in America, but also here, if you think about it, just not bueno for the rights of basic human beings and all that stuff. And there's a lot of protests going along, a lot of emotions flying, all good stuff that needs to be said and done, really. But it's also very good for everybody to be safe and look out for one another and that sort of stuff. That's my quick little PSA for everybody out there. It's not what you came to listen to this podcast for, but I felt it needs to be said. Why not? I hope you all know that I'm thinking of you, whether you're here in Australia, whether you're listening to me in England or America. I even learned recently I've got some listeners in Punjab, which is 32% of my listeners, thanks to Spotify stats that I received. So welcome all. If you're new to the podcast, I hope you uh, enjoy what you hear. If you're a consistent listener, thanks for not giving up on me. Thanks for sticking around. Today's episode, nice and simple. We won't go into a huge in-depth look at what makes a movie good. I won't tell you you should watch a movie because I'm sick of people telling me they haven't watched a movie, anything like that. What we are going to do is we are going to continue our 007 James Bond countdown. Perhaps aside from the movie rankings, the only thing I've consistently done on this podcast, the only thing I promise to deliver and I am delivering. Now, if you are new to this episode, I will give you a quick recap for why I'm doing this. As you were all aware, earlier in the year, a lot of movies basically were just postponed due to people not going to be able to go to the movie theaters to watch movies. The very first one to do this was the new James Bond film that was supposed to come out this year, No Time to Die, starring Daniel Craig. Supposedly his last James Bond film, it has been shifted to end of October, start of November, depending what country you're on. So while I was disappointed, completely understood it, I get why these things are happening and what we need to do to keep each other safe. But hopefully we can improve things that we can stick to that date and see that movie because I'm very excited to see it. And I was in movie theaters where that trailer was showing, so I got excited from the trailer and the concepts that I saw. I've sort of timed it out where I can use a different episode every month and a bit or so to talk about a different actor and period of the James Bond time. Because James Bond, the franchise, over 50 years old. 24 official movies, not to include other movies made by different companies and actors. That's a lot. A lot of money, a lot of fans, a lot of content, and very different content depending on which is your favorite Bond, who your favorite actor is, what your favorite movies are. In short, you could talk about James Bond for a whole day if you were into it, as I clearly am. So what have I done so far? We started off with Pierce Brosnan who is my favorite Bond. We talked about my favorite Bond movie, GoldenEye. 
and we just basically hammered home how Pierce Brosnan is my favorite Bond due to his his lovely comedic super spiness that I fell in love with instantly watching him. He had some good humor. He had some good action. He embodied what I thought is true essential British spy. He had some good supporting players. It's a very interesting villains. Great bunch of movies. Even Die Another Day, as I addressed in that episode, you know, has some issues, but an entertaining enough film. If you want to learn more about Piers Brosnan, go back to that episode and listen to me talk again. And then most recently, we jumped back to George Lazenby, who is basically just top form. He is an absolute card, a lad, a great Bond. He only did the one Bond film, but as we touched on that episode, just because he only did one doesn't mean it was bad. If anything, it could be the best Bond film based on the parameters that make a James Bond film. Love on Her Majesty's Secret Service. If you want to hear more about George Lazenby, head back to that episode. So today... If you are familiar with the Bond, you might be wondering, why isn't he talking about Sean Connery yet? Why isn't he talking about Roger Moore yet? Hey, shouldn't he even be talking about Daniel Craig? Well, nah, and here's why. Daniel Craig will not be done until last. We're going to save him till the very last Bond discussion, because hopefully it will lead into no time to die. So just on a technical standpoint, it seems the most relevant in that order. As for Connery and Moore, we are going to discuss them. But, and this is where I probably differ from a lot of the hardcore James Bond fans, I'm not the hugest Connery and Moore fans, for very specific reasons which we'll get into when we discuss them. They may be the most famous, they may have done the most movies, they may be the most recognizable, but for me, they're not the best of the best Bonds. They've got some great moments in some of their movies, but I don't think of James Bond and go, it has to be them. I like the the little guys, the ones that have only done a couple of movies but have left such a strong impact on me and on, I think, the franchise of Bond that they deserve more credit and they deserve to be in the spotlight a bit more. But don't worry, we will discuss Sean Connery and Roger Moore. They will get their own episodes. But for now, I am pushing them aside out of my own, own bias because it's my own podcast and I can do whatever I want. And we're going to talk about that... Little James Bond in the middle of Moore and Pierce Brosnan. That's right. Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, specifically his film License to Kill. Now, I've talked to a few different people. I've been getting some information as I try to graph these James Bond episodes for you to try and see what people's favorite Bonds are. As I discussed in my George Lazenby one, I talked to my father about George Lazenby and he didn't seem to think very much of him. So everybody has a different opinion depending on whether you like the movies, essentially, and whether you like how Bond is portrayed by the character. Timothy Dalton, depending on who you talk to, there's either a very solid fan base for him and his betrayal, or there's a solid antagonistic group that do not believe he was a very good Bond, that he did not encompass the themes that made James Bond good, and they were happy that he didn't last particularly long which is a bit of a catch-22 in my opinion, as I'm going to explain now. Timothy Dalton has James Bond. was very different to Sean Connery and Roger Moore, and maybe even George Lazenby. He might have had a little bit in common with Sean Connery in just one capacity, and that was the darkness, the violence. This was the first Bond films to really start looking at the gritty, dirty sort of villains that a spy would go up against in the changing climate of the world. Because as these Bond films come out, they do tend to try and reflect the current situation 
that is happening when those movies are released. During Moore and Connery's time, it's Russian Cold War, that sort of stuff. With Timothy Dalton, we're starting to get into times where big serious issues at the moment in that current world in the late 80s are drugs and drug dealers and, yes, espionage, that sort of thing, but also insider trading, people manipulating the system for their own benefits. What's also interesting is that a lot of criticism that Timothy Dalton does seem to get is the darkness, is that he's too violent and gruff and bitter and he doesn't have that humor and charm that we ingratiate with James Bond, which I can agree with, sort of. But at the moment, Daniel Craig being Bond films, there may be a few people that don't like them, but they're going nuts at the box office. People are seeing these movies. Movies like Casino Royale and Skyfall and Spectre just shattered the worldwide box office in terms of a James Bond film. I don't think they'd made that much money since Moonraker with Roger Moore, and that was essentially just because James Bond goes to space. And if we're familiar, Star Wars is a thing that was also happening around the same time. So, cool. Space. James Bond in space. Brilliant. Come into the cinema. Give us your money. But Daniel Craig's movies are violent and more serious and real. Daniel Craig notoriously doesn't seem to like a lot of the mannerisms that make James Bond famous. The martini lines, the little quips he makes before he kills someone hitting on every single woman that crosses his path. And apparently we're okay with it, which we should be okay with it, because the movies are making a ton of money, and every time he's announced he's coming back, people are genuinely pleased. I know I am. But Timothy Dalton was the first one to do it. He was the one who wasn't worried about dressing in a big suit. He was happy to go off the grid and do whatever he needed to do to accomplish a mission. He might seduce a woman here or there if he needs to, but that is not his defining feature. He also seemed to have a much more loyal feeling for his friends, specifically his CIA friend Felix Leiter, his gadget man Q. He's not above going off the reservation to avenge people if they have been wronged, to stand up for his friends, which is something I never really got from the older Bond films. I never felt like he really had friends that he would lay his life down for. It was all the mission and nothing else. License to Kill is definitely one of my top five favorite Bond films without a doubt. Not only does it have a really great opening song, License to Kill, if you haven't heard the song, if you haven't seen the film, but you'd like to hear the song, it's very easy to find on YouTube. Just Google it. Well, it's YouTube, so YouTube it, I guess. Easy to find. Great song, very powerful, good vocals. Love it. But basically, I'll give you the brief plot of License to Kill. James Bond is about to go to the wedding of his dear friend Felix Leiter, the CIA agent I mentioned. Before he does that, he helps Leiter put away a drug kingpin, Franz Sanchez, played by Robert Darby. Sanchez isn't particularly happy about this, so he does manage to escape and goes back for revenge against Leiter and his wife, resulting in some pretty horrendous things happening to the pair of them. In one case, death. In the other case, dismemberment from vicious... Sharks. Pretty brutal stuff. Terrible. Bond is naturally displeased, as he should be, as he probably wouldn't have been displeased back in the older days, and he wants revenge against Sanchez for Lida's attack and maiming. But MI6 says no, can't do it. There's a lot of paperwork regarding this. He's just fled. He's left the country. We don't have clearance to go after him. Also, Lida is an American agent. We are a British institute. Basically just 
this isn't a mission. You can't do it. You can't do it. And Bond goes, well, screw you, really? I want to help my friend, and I'm going to kill this guy, and you can either help me or you can get out of my way. To which MI6 replies, cool, all right. You're no longer a 007 agent. We revoke your license to kill. If you continue upon this path, we will stop you and throw you in jail, essentially. Which is a challenge to Bond. And essentially the rest of the movie, he does go off the reservation and he goes after Sanchez, sneaks into the country, goes on a killing spree to avenge his friend, but not sanctioned by the MI6 for the first time in any of these Bond movies. Anytime he commits a kill or does something seem to be illegal, there is repercussions building up for him on the other end. But his loyalty to the lighter means that he does not give up. Teaming up with a CIA agent, Pam... He moves heaven and earth to kill Sanchez, essentially, and stop his drug smuggling ring in the long run. That's the basic plot, essentially. It's just revenge. We've seen it in a lot of action movies, especially Sylvester Stallone movies, but now it's primed for a James Bond film. What I really like about this film, and especially Timothy Dalton's Bond, is that this is the first time, really, we watch a movie well, it feels personal to Bond. It feels like there are genuine stakes to what he has to achieve. Not just world-ending events involving blowing up the sun, sinking the polar ice caps, or something megalomaniac like Bond villains are known to do. This is someone who has hurt James Bond in a way that he has not been hurt before, and he wants to do something about it, which is great. Something like that, you immediately relate to the character of Bond. You go, yes, I am with you. I would feel the same way if my friend was put in the situation that he has been. However, because it is a Bond film, it still sticks to the parameters of getting some great action in there, some cool gadgets. Yes, Bond's 007 agent status is revoked, but you know, MI6, his closest friends do sort of sneakily help him out there, whether it's Gadget Man Q giving him all the, all the tools he needs or them just trying not that hard to stop him from escaping and leaving the country and that sort of thing. It's brutal. It's violent. The final battle essentially is not in flying cars on a space station or on top of a volcano or anything like that. It's basically just gritty, covered in oil, hand-to-hand, and then knife fighting just to be the last man standing. And Timothy Dalton really hammers it home with that seriousness, that violent rage, which is very interesting. I loved seeing it. And it's what's been brought back in the Daniel Craig movies, which is just great. Impressive to see. Very entertaining. Some fun facts for License to Kill in here. You've even got a young Benicio Del Toro as a henchman to Sanchez. He is interesting to see in everything he's in. And Del Toro has some good chemistry fighting off Bond. And they have a great final fight, which ends pretty gnarly for someone involved. I wonder who it could be. I'll try not to spoil this movie, but... There's not too much to spoil. It's a basic, simple revenge plot that is just entertaining to watch. And you still get a few little comedy quips in there, just nothing too silly or over the top, which I really appreciate. License to Kill, I think, rings home very close with what I like about Goldeneye as well, with that personalness, the not-too-over-the-top sort of evil villain plans, that connection between Bond and the bad guy, which I think may be why Pierce Brosnan films resonate with me more than the other Bond films. Timothy Dalton's other film, The Living Daylights, does come before License to Kill. It's also a relatively okay movie. Timothy Dalton is good as Bond, but I do often feel watching it that it's tried too much to imitate the 
types of films that Roger Moore had been in right before, which are a bit silly, a bit too humorous and over the top. And Dalton does a lot more comedy quips than what License to Kill provides. Still a great movie, still fun to watch, just not to the standard that I really, really got and enjoyed from License to Kill. It is very unfortunate that after this, there were no Bond films by Dalton. James Bond took a bit of a break, and when they came back, Pierce Brosnan was in the role. But bad for that, and also good for that, because as I just said, GoldenEye rules. And that's really it. There's not too much to say about Timothy Dalton, because there's not too much content. Except what I really want to hammer home at the moment is that I'm a huge advocate for his bond, his serious, violent, dark nature, the personal lengths he goes to stick up for his friends in his License to Kill movie, and in essence, a little bit of The Living Daylights. It certainly is a good template by what I'm pretty sure some Pierce Brosnan films and essentially most Daniel Craig movies are built on, which is probably why I also think they're resonating more with a current audience they're clicking more. If you tried to make the Timothy Dalton movies, the Pierce Brosnan movies, the Daniel Craig movies, more to the themes that Sean Connery and Roger Moore had in today's climate, with the way we're hopefully trying to evolve to become better human beings in the way we treat people, those older movies, if they were made today, would not resonate. So it is in part because of Timothy Dalton's bond changing, just tweaking, you could say, the concept of bond, adapting him for a modern audience making it a bit more grounded, real, appropriate, which I think has managed to keep Pond alive and got him past his 50th birthday. Summing up, License to Kill, top five Bond films by far. Hmm, as I'm saying it, when I finish doing this, perhaps one of my top 10 rankings will be the Bond films. It's certainly a good topic, and it'll be a nice way to cap off this discussion. If that's something that you think I should do, No one ever does, but feel free to let me know. You could comment on YouTube if you're listening on there, or, I don't know, send me brainwaves and I'll pick them up because I I hear the people through my connection with you. (laughs) Haha, not really, but I probably will do that. That sounds like a good idea that I've just come up with this second. Overall, License to Kill, great film. Timothy Dalton, great Bond. One of the best Bonds. Watch his movies. And there we are. Thank you very much. Once again, it has been a great time jumping back into Bond. We are officially halfway in terms of the Bonds that I'm going to talk about, the Bond actors. I have not quite decided which one I'm going to talk to you next about, whether it's Sean Connery or Roger Moore. I will have a think. I've got a good month and a bit to come up with it. But be sure to tune in next week, as always, for a new episode. But keep your eyes and ears peeled because the next Bond update will be here sooner than you think, because time just flies by at the moment. But until then, thank you again for listening to me. I love and appreciate you as always. It's been a delight. Go out there, be safe, love each other, as I love you. (laughs) You've been spliced in later. Adios, muchachos. I'll catch you next time.